Hi, Carnage Report listeners. Before we get to the episode, we want to take a moment to address the June 24th Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. This decision stripped away the legal right to have a safe and legal abortion. Restricting access to comprehensive reproductive care, including abortions, threatens the health and independence of all Americans. This decision could also lead to the loss of other rights. To learn more about what you can do to help, go to podvoices.help. We encourage you to speak up, take care, and spread the word. Welcome to the Carnage Report, where we bring you the latest on all things horror-related, keeping you up to date with news you can use. I'm Julie Holland. And I'm Nick Spacek. The Carnage Report is part of the Cinepunks podcast family. Go to Cinepunks.com to find entertainment news, reviews, and other great podcasts like Horror Business and Twitch of the Death Nerve, along with the latest addition to the network, The Shameless, a film podcast centered around the idea of exploring titles on the shame lists of co-hosts Michael Veers and Nick Richards, with guest hosts and interviewees popping up to give their takes. If you want to help support Cinepunks and ultimately this show, you can become a Cinepunks Patreon subscriber at patreon.com slash Cinepunks. Also, please go check out these great sponsors, such as SX Coffee Roasters, which can be found at sxcoffeeroasters.com. Uh, Essex Coffee Roasters offers specialty grade coffee roasted to order for the most fresh and delicious home brewing experience. Essex is committed to the accessible quality coffees offering offering education on coffee and brewing to all of their customers. Essex founder Aaron Dahlbeck spent years on the road and touring bands often questing for that great cup of coffee between shows. That experience informs Essex as they strive to make high quality coffee accessible to people across the country. Many coffees are stored for months or more after a roasting offering a stale cup. Essex Coffee Roasters roast each order as they come in to ensure your quality at home. They believe you don't have to be a coffee expert to enjoy a great cup of coffee. Uh, right now, if you use Cinepunk's promo code, you get 10% off. That is C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X. Another great sponsor is Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. They are the premier screen printer of the Lehigh Valley, but maybe also the world. They're personable, professional, and the only place where you can get punk rock attitude with professional service and printing. If you would like to utilize their services, go to xlvacx.com. So um, sort of in preparation for, I think, next week's episode, um, and this is just like I've been watching a lot of extras um, lately. I've just been like getting movies that I've seen a billion times from the library because they have like really awesome like scream factory or like arrow blu-rays and i've just been like watching the extras so my question is what is your favorite horror documentary be it a bonus feature or standalone movie and uh what do you like about it um mine 
I'm not 100% sure this counts, but I think it does. So when I was a kid, there was a documentary that played on some channel we had a whole lot. And it was the making of the thriller music video, which is basically a mini horror movie. But I watched that thing so many times over and over. Like it might as well have been a cartoon. I watched it so many times. I loved it so much. Like I just, I remember for some reason, specifically the costume designer talking about how she she made all the costumes of the zombies. They're holy, they're dirty. And she left them outside to dry and bugs got in them. So the dancers were dancing twitchy because that's what zombies do, but also because their clothes were filled with bugs. And as a kid, I just thought that was gross and neat. And I loved it. And I still think about that documentary all the time. Oh my God. I hadn't thought of that in forever. Yeah. Like, I think that was, if I remember right, that was like, they showed that before the thriller video, like when it premiered on MTV. And then like, I've seen that documentary just like, I like every time they did like, you know, the top 50 or 100 videos of all time, like thriller would always be number one. And they'd always show that documentary. Mm -hmm. And it's also, it's a way to like be able to put it out on VHS and have people pay for it. And they're not, they're getting more than just like, you know, an eight minute music video Mm -hmm. adds that sucker out to half hour and then you can charge 20 bucks for it. Well, I looked it up because I was like, how long was that thing? And I, it looks like it was like an hour long. So maybe we just saw bits and pieces of it on something, but I know I was watching it. Like maybe we had HBO for a summer or mm. something. Cause I feel like I was watching it specifically on like HBO or something for a That's summer. Right. That sounds right. Yeah. No, I hadn't thought of that in forever. And it's so good. It's like, cause it's fun and it's creepy and it's like kind of the last time you can watch John Landis and something before, mm-hmm. before you're made to realize what kind of a piece of shit he is. Yeah. Um, and how about yours? Um, What's your favorite doc? You know, it's, it was so like, it was funny as like, I came up with this and I'm like, what am I going to choose? Um, uh, my current, favorite i guess is um the um you're so cool brewster documentary about the the making of um fright night nice. it's just so good like it it's one of those things where i love the fact that there are like all of these different places that are like oh there's no making of on the actual Blu-ray. Like, you know, like it, it, I think a lot of these are like based off of the idea that, you know, like they put out like these bare bones, like Blu-rays and mm-hmm. then they're just like, and people are just like, well, there needs to be a making of. And so they, they, they make them and then eventually it gets put on the Blu-ray. Yeah. That's the funniest thing. The copy of Fright Night I have, they they added that as a bonus feature. And it's just, it you can tell that everybody making that movie had so, so much fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gets into like a lot of details and like the, the influences and like how they made it and like the responses. And I think those are kind of my new favorite documentaries are the ones where it sort of shows the passage of time and all of that. Although- yeah. I would like to say there's a there's a movie um the MD MVD like put out on Blu-ray um called Mind Games and the movie is not good at mm-hmm. all. 
Um, but it has, I watched it cause it has, uh, Max Caulfield, AKA, um, Rex Manning. Uh, yes. Um, but, um, it's the movie's not great, but there is a making of on it that is longer than the film itself. And it's actually like, it's fantastic. Like, it's so good. Like you watch it and you're like this, why would you go to this much trouble to make something about a movie that's this bad? Yeah. And it's, it's, it's really thrilling. Um, yeah, I did recently watch because I, I think I mentioned in the last episode that I got that $5 Blu-ray of Midsommar. Oh, and I, so I went ahead and watched the kind of behind the scenes not truly a making of, but a behind the scenes of it. It's not that long, but one of the things I thought was really cool. And obviously you can see my mind always goes back to what the costume designer and the set designer were doing, but the costume designer said that she used like hundred year old linen, like specifically sourced hundred year old bespoke linen to make the costumes. And I'm not sure that that trouble was fully worth it. Cause I don't think you look at it and go, that is 100 year old linen. I like, I look at it as a fabric person. I'm like, that's linen, but, <laughs> but I'm not sure it was worth maybe that expense, but definitely a cool tidbit. I always, that's my favorite thing about any like making of or documentary or anything like that, where you learn like these little details that make you go back and like watch the movie you know like with like sort of the, the, like go over it with like a fine tooth comb mm-hmm. yeah um uh, if you out there listening um have a documentary you think we should know about or that you want to share with the world uh hit us up on the socials at report carnage and um yeah let us know i'm sure there are so many i am sure they're like just the few we've mentioned here don't even begin to scratch the surface not at all Now we're on to new nightmares. This is a roundup of trailers new to streaming, coming to theater soon, announcements, news, all that stuff. That's what we're about to tell you. I can't believe that like this is our ninth episode, and I don't think we've mentioned an Indiegogo or Kickstarter campaign yet. Um, yeah, which I kind think of you're right. Praises me. So uh, anyhow, uh, I can't remember this came across uh, my my Twitter feed. Um, and there is a company called AP Productions um, uh, from Angie and Paul. They're a filmmaking couple from Central California who have done like 80s style horror films like Cinco de Mayo, Streets of Vengeance and Slash Lorette Party, which I have not seen, but definitely That's a great name. Um, so uh, they're doing a campaign right now on Indiegogo uh, for their next 80s inspired thriller, uh, which is entitled Murder Size, uh, which they say in combined spandex leg warmers, fingerless gloves and murder. Um, I was actually originally really excited about this because I thought it was going to be like uh, like a Linnea Quigley's horror workout that is an actual like workout video where they just. Like, yeah. Uh, but it is uh, like they're they're saying that they want to serve up a fun and exciting movie in the same vein as killer workout and sleepaway camp 2 um 
and I assume also Death Spa. Um, it looks fun. Um, they've got a ton of goals. Um, it will still be running when this episode drops. Uh, as of the eight days left, they have hit $10,000 of their 20,000 flex goal. Um, you can do all kinds of things like you can get an IMDb credit downloads, photo sets, DVDs, Blu-rays, VHS tapes. You can get an on-screen cameo. You can get a gym bag. You can be a producer. Um, oh, man. Oh, that they had some awesome ones that are unfortunately gone where you could be like the radio for like a hundred bucks. You could be the voiceover person for the radio DJ or like one of the cops or the coroner. Amazing. Oh, that, that's a stupid deal for a hundred dollars, honestly. Yeah. Um, but no, it looks uh, fun. Uh, they've got some interesting folks involved. I know Drew Marvick, uh, the guy behind uh, Pool Party Massacre, is uh, one of the folks involved. And I'm a big fan of that one. And Me too. Um, so, yeah, check it out. Um, you can find that out by searching Murder Size um, on Indiegogo. I'll admit that when you mentioned this, I also hoped it was a workout and... I think that they should consider a bonus feature of just a short workout that you could do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That would be fun. Put it out there into the world. Yes. Listening, Angie and Paul. Yes. All right. Some more Scream 6 news. We might as well call this the Scream 6 news segment (laughs) for however long news keeps coming out. This is an exciting one, though, because it's it's a cast announcement and Samara Weaving and Tony revelory are joining the cast um samara weaving has obviously become like a huge horror scream queen if you will horror maven from ready or not mayhem the babysitter so it's really excited exciting to see her join the cast i think that you know i think we've talked about her before that she just adds fun to every everything she touches absolutely um i don't care if it's a bit role or somebody who gets like off in the opening bits uh, mm-hmm. i'm just happy she's part of it and also like tony revelori like uh flash thompson um obviously from the marvel spider-man movies but also i totally forgot that he is zero mustafa in grand budapest hotel oh yeah i every new thing that comes out about scream six makes me just more excited about scream six honestly um yeah so uh we were talking about how uh, the last time we talked about this, we were talking about how much we we were excited that Dermot Mulroney is in it. Um, mm-hmm. I did watch the movie that he's in with Winona Ryder, uh, Gone in the Night. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's very good in it. It is a movie that would have gone straight to streaming if Winona Ryder wasn't in it. And it pretty much has, to be honest with you, because I really wanted to see it, even after your review was tepid when you mentioned it to me. I was like, I don't care. I still want to see it. Where is it playing? I looked at every movie theater in Kansas City. It is not playing. Hmm. So I don't know where, well, maybe not every movie theater, but I looked at my regular ones that I would be willing to go to and it was not playing anywhere. We're a major, well, not a major city, but we're a big-ish city. I yeah, like I think get it, it. it did play in Lawrence at the Regal out here for like a week. Yeah, I don't, it did not, it obviously didn't come to Screenland. That's a small theater. I get it. But I didn't, I looked at the Cinemark 20 nearest me and it didn't come to there. Huh. So I was bummed out. So I, when it streams, I'll watch it. But I obviously, 
your feelings on it as well as I read another review of it that was on downright creepy and I was like okay I'm gonna temper my expectations here because I think maybe I'm more excited about it than it warrants but anyway it does say some nice things about aging though I, I, I will cop to that well that's nice so we talked about this on the last episode before we had seen anything more than still images, but um, literally like right before the episode dropped, um, the Day Shift trailer came out, um, the Jamie Foxx and Snoop Dogg uh, blue collar vampire hunter movie uh, came out and it, oh man, like if like the description like in and all of the details that were in that vanity fair article like really made me want to watch this movie uh but mm-hmm. like seeing that trailer now i am frighteningly impatient uh for it so to hit excited Netflix so excited in august um i don't know about you i have definitely like gone back and forth on like do i want to keep netflix lately and then mm-hmm. then they will just then they go and do this. something and like this shit. okay well like, well i have to keep it till august 12th I guess we gotta get for August then. Um, yeah. yeah, it it looks like so much fun. Yeah, uh, in the trailer, uh, the Dave Franco character who yes. seems kind of like the hapless trainee, perhaps. <laughs> what mm-hmm. I, he seems very charming. So, just adding to the excitement of it. That yeah, the trailer looks so fun. I can't wait. Yeah, I feel like the there's the vibe I got like is like it's kind of like a training day but with vampires yeah it's very action movie it definitely obviously we talked about how the stunts were going to be the main star and i think the stunts are going to be the main star but oh yeah i I think it's interesting that they were like they clearly could have made an action movie about anything and the choice was vampires so i'm also excited the fact that it looks bloody as hell so yeah um, which I'm glad they're not skimping on that. For sure. Now, a trailer that doesn't look quite as good. (laughs) I gotta be honest. Uh, Orphan, First Kill. This is a prequel to Orphan. If you remember, that was a movie about an adult person pretending to be a child person and, and, you know, working their way into a family. And this is the prequel. Uh, Julia Stiles is in it, so Yay. I'm always happy to see her. Here's what gets me about this trailer personally is it's the same actress playing Esther, the mm-hmm. orphan, the titular orphan. So she has aged since whenever Orphan came out, which I don't even remember. I should have looked that up. Uh, like and, it, it was like a decade ago. Yeah. And so now she's even older playing a 13-year-old or 10-year, I don't know playing a child it just doesn't i honestly i agreed to review this movie for modern horrors so you will see a review from me probably like august 15th i think is when the embargo is over i haven't watched it yet but i was like i don't know why i've agreed to this because i am not sure i'm gonna like it and i don't like i don't necessarily love doing reviews for things i don't like but i really want to know how they are going to try to convince me that these grown adults believe that this other grown adult is their child so maybe they can do it yeah yeah because like so the the thing is it's like uh, she's supposed to be like nine years old like Mm -hmm. yeah and like in the first movie she was like 13 
playing That's a right. nine-year-old, which like, you can do. Um, yeah. But like this one, she's like 23, 24, like playing a nine-year-old. Like, and it, like, you, if you look at a still, you're just like, yeah, nobody's gonna. Nobody's no. buying this. No. And like the, 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 I'm guessing they use like a lot of like perspective tricks and things like that to like make it work in terms of like height and stuff like that. Yeah. Because the actress says that they didn't use any makeup or like de-aging software. Is it software? Am I sounding old? Whatever they do, the tricks. They didn't use any special effects or makeup. Yeah. I just, I don't know. Like, and here's the thing. Like the entire appeal of Orphan is like at the end where you find out like what the whole thing is. Knowing it ahead of time, it's just like it's another movie. Like they're yeah. they're like, like half the fun is like the shock and surprise at like how they do it. Yeah. Now it's I'm guessing just like, this one's just gonna be sad because it's gonna yeah. be parents who thought they lost their child who found it and it's obviously not it, but they're so sad that they're willing to believe it. That's the only <laughs> way this possibly can play out. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you know, I'm cool with, you know, Julia Stiles getting to be like, um, like vengeance mom, like mm-hmm. that has potential. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously I'm watching it because I agreed to, so <laughs> I'll report back. <laughs> uh, another trailer um we got like a new we got we got like the full they slash them trailer um which hits peacock on august 5th um like the first teaser like had me interested and i am frankly uh even more uh excited about this um movie uh about a bunch of lgbtq plus campers at whistler camp uh conversion camp run by kevin bacon's own Whistler um looks creepy I mean it looks very mm-hmm. bloomhousey but I mean um I am very excited like uh Kevin Bacon like you know I, I was sold at that point but I mean like I'm really kind of excited to see the return of Anna Klumsky um yeah and just like the whole cast um like it looks it looks like it's gonna be you know, a standard slasher, but there's going to be a lot of like, I think a psychological, like, yeah. just real life horror, I, for, yeah. for lack of a better thing before it happens. Cause you're starting with this premise that's already scary and is very, very real for a lot of people. And then adding this thing that is hopefully not real very often, if ever, I don't know if there's yeah. ever truly been a camp slasher, but um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm 100% in and I have Peacock. So um, who Same. like, uh, yeah, August 5th, um, we were talking about this before we got on mic. It is a it is a packed day for horror. Yeah. Oh, also, can we talk about the mask they introduce? In oh, that? my God, that's such a good one. Like, I'm uh, iconic. Just, yeah. Like, that's one where I'm just like, oh, good. Yeah. I can't terrifying. wait to find out like what the story behind that one is. Yeah. All right. Next up, this is just a tiny bit of news it's not a big not a lot of information yet but insidious 5 is happening it's going to be july 7th 2023 and what's kind of exciting is that patrick wilson is coming back to direct the fifth installment and so you know that's a cool it's his directorial debut and it's it's just really cool that he gets to do it in this way in this franchise that he started and was so great in and this is going to be a direct sequel to insidious and insidious 2 um 
I just think I think it's really cool news. I don't. Are you an Insidious fan? Did you watch? I saw the first one and I haven't seen any of them. Since. Okay, and I've I, seen the I, first two, and then I think I fell off, but I might have seen three. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna have to go back. I think I watched when the first one came out. It was just uh, not my thing, but mm-hmm. I would like. I do love Patrick Wilson and everything. So I yeah, will. Yeah, he's so good. I should go back and check him out. Yeah. That's a fun tidbit, though. Yeah. Um, in a bit of news that is, uh, I guess, sort of pertinent, uh, especially uh, considering the, the feature we're, we're covering this episode, um, the British cassette label, um, Spun Out of Control, uh, is putting out, uh, has put out a an album by the artist Andy Fosbury. Uh, it's called Night Skies, and it is a soundtrack for the abandoned uh, follow-up to Close Encounters. Um, so uh, I, I think it's like one of those great unproduced scripts that you always hear about. Like um, essentially Close Encounters did Mad Bank. Um, the studio wanted Spielberg to make another alien movie. He wrote this script called Night Skies that never got made but i mean the script got finished and then like various parts of it like became other movies like part of it turned into et and poltergeist and like gremlins um and so um it was going to be a horror movie and so um fosbury like has read the script and so he this is the the score he would have written for it um which has it has such great titles too. There's like one called Watch the Skies. There's one that's just called Cattle Mutilations. Nice. Um, the Cloud Followed Me, which I really uh, definitely mm-hmm. works out. Faces at with. the Window. That should just be a movie title, Faces at the Window. Right. Um, it's really great. Uh, it came out like a couple weeks ago. You can find it at spunoutofcontrol.bandcamp.com and you can buy it on limited edition cassette um or uh just as a digital download um and i'm a sucker for everything gavin uh stoker and all his friends uh, all his collaborators do over there it's spun out of control and this is a really fun one i think for for folks who like imaginary soundtracks yeah it's got really cool cover art too yeah yeah all right this is a tiny little tidbit. I doesn't mean to accent myself all the tiny little tidbits. Uh, so for Fear Street fans from Netflix, another reason to keep a hold of Netflix for a little bit longer, I guess, if you like Fear Street, is there will be more Fear Street. Even though uh, it wasn't really the hit they hoped for, I think they were hoping for kind of another Stranger Things. It didn't quite get that big, although I most people I know watched it. Many of them liked it. Uh R.L. Stein had hinted that he had heard there were rumors of more Fear Street, and it is now confirmed that there are there will be more Fear Street. I mean, they they did um, not. I don't think it's a spoiler to say they ended it on a very open note, um, yeah. leaving things open. So um, I think it'll. I'm excited. I really like those movies. I, I did too. Laugh. Yeah, and they had that. They were like something for everyone. They were like the boy band of horror trilogy. They really were. I mean, like there was like time travel and mm-hmm. you, know, the, the, so you had your period piece. You had your 70s camp slasher. You had your 80s, 90s mall situation. Yeah, something for everyone. There was a scene with the bread slicer that oh, I think it man. has like that. That is an I that messed me up on several 
levels, but damn. It was well, cool. and you come from a bakery background. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, no. Like I just like 100% watched that and then had to go to work. I was like, oh. <laughs> like, oh no. <laughs> I'm not going to touch that for a while. Yeah. Uh, so uh, San Diego Comic-Con is uh, wrapping up as we record this. Um, but, uh, you know, there were a ton of trailers and things that came out of that. And one of them is the AMC plus series Anne Rice's interview with a vampire, um, which would be a series as opposed to just like a film. Um, it tells the story of Louis de Pont de Lac um, and Lestat de Lancor uh, and Claudia, the vampire child, um, and their uh, life through time. Um, it seems to, it seems like this trailer focuses a lot like in the, like it doesn't kind of it it it's very new orleans um yes uh there's a uh spooky slowed down creepy cover of xtc's dear god mm-hmm. uh, playing in the background um i don't know i'll probably watch it maybe i don't know i don't have amc so um yeah i don't either but i mean i'm kind of excited that like they got eric bogosian to play like the um journalist role mm-hmm I'm assuming those will probably be like the episode, you know, bookends. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, which is nice. Like to the re- uh, the panel uh, that was interviewed, I saw they said that it's staying closer to the book than the movie did. The books, I guess, plural. Um, so that's kind of exciting. I think Anne Rice was actually involved in in it up until she passed away it'll be um it'll be interesting to see it like um like the the these books get introduced to like a new group mm-hmm. of folks for sure it's been a minute um so they're yeah. about to do for their reboot slash reappraisal i think yeah it definitely just watching the trailer made me want to reread them because it's been years i think i read them after the movie came out and <laughs> loved them all right. I put this at the bottom specifically hoping that maybe we would run out of time when I rearrange the list a little bit, but it's our podcast. We don't run out of time if we don't want to. So whether we want to talk about it or not, a full trailer did drop for the monsters just after, like before we posted the last episode, but after we recorded and uh, it's not helping. Um, man. Um horror twitter is a thing and like the division on this was crazy up up to and including the point that scott wampler over at fangoria wrote uh an opinion piece uh entitled let rob zombie do rob zombie shit um here's the thing he can make whatever he wants i don't fucking want to watch it um also, I would argue that this is Rob Zombie not doing Rob Zombie shit, and that's why it's not working. Yeah, um, the 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 at it, I, I realized that like for all of the stylistic choices and like the goofiness and all of that sort of inherent things, what bothered me most, and it's um, it it kind of goes back to like one of the things that uh i didn't like about orphan first kill the idea of orphan first kill is like i don't need to know the story of what happened before the thing i like it's there's that whole pat oswalt bit about it like i just like i don't 
fucking care. Like, I don't care how Lily and Herman met. Like, the entire reason that show is great is because it's the whole family and it's mm-hmm. that dynamic. And without, yes. uh, honestly, it ruined it a little bit for me because I always was of the belief, and I don't know where I got it, that Grandpa made Herman for Lily. <laughs> and then so I had to go look that up, and that's not what happened. And I was like, oh, I, I always thought it was sweet because I thought Grandpa made Herman. <laughs> Yeah, and there's no there's no Eddie and there's no Marilyn. And yeah. like a lot of the jokes on that show came from the fact that like Marilyn was normal. Yeah. Traditionally beautiful. Kid. And they thought she was ugly because yep. she wasn't a monster. A monster. Yeah. Um yeah, I it made me less likely. Like it 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 just doesn't look good. No. Um, like I know like a bad trailer is a bad trailer is a bad trailer sometimes and it doesn't represent a film but like man I just but the alleged budget on this is 30 to 40 million is what I've been seeing people suggest yeah and he made a thing about how it's like oh it's not that much money and it's like oh it certainly fucking doesn't look like (laughs) no like I've seen movies make a lot more of a lot less yeah I uh I think a lot of it is just the fact that um, if I struggle to get through a two minute trailer, like at the, like the, the halfway point, I was just like, I do I have to watch another 60 seconds of this? Mm-hmm. And am I going to watch the movie out of morbid curiosity? Yes. Yeah, Will there probably. be a ready supply of alcohol nearby? <laughs> probably. Yeah. And this is a gather your friends. Cause you got to make fun of it. But- if you have if i saw it i saw it now you have to see it situation Mm -hmm. like you have to share it and and so it's probably going to do okay because people are going to watch it out of curiosity but yep oh and it is going straight to streaming Uh, that makes me feel a little better yeah straight to netflix which is evidently always the plan yet despite the fact that it didn't get mentioned until very recently like that's all that was sort of the interesting thing it's like oh that was always the plan it's like usually that's something you like mention pretty early on in the pr process and like yeah. that's never been mentioned until like after that trailer response and i'm wondering if paramount was just like yeah no um let's let's not risk it yeah i don't blame them eh. <laughs> i mean i tr- i try to look at things positively i don't have a lot of positivity to say about this one but Uh, except that the original monsters program is still in existence and you can still enjoy that and erase it and we're definitely going to get a riff tracks version of this at some point and it will be glorious Mm -hmm. did you know that the very first assembly of photographs to create a motion picture was a two second clip of a black man on a horse and that man is my great great grandfather great there's another great Grandfather. But that's why back at the Haywood Ranch, as the only black-owned horse trainers in Hollywood, we like to say, since the moment pitches could move, yeah, skin in the game.
was a bad miracle. They got worth for that. All right, it is time for our feature presentation which is the latest, uh, the third movie from director Jordan Peele, Nope. Mm-hmm. The very short synopsis is, the residents of a lonely gulch in inland California bear witness to an uncanny and chilling discovery. Uh, when and where did you see it? I saw it Thursday night at Screenland, which is our independent theater in Kansas City for people who don't live here who might be listening. And you? Um, I saw it Friday after, like, middle of the afternoon at, like, 2 o'clock at the Regal Southwind here in Lawrence. Um, How was was the attendance? Yeah. There was a good crowd for, like, like it was about half full, which is pretty impressive. Um, For a matinee, yeah. Yeah. For How was it attended for you? We thought maybe we were... Like, let's go on Thursday. There won't be as many people. It was almost full. They played it in theater one, which has, I think, maybe two, 250 capacity. And it was pretty close to full. It is worth noting um, that they announced not long before we started recording that um, it is the number one movie this weekend. Um, $44 million (laughs) opening weekend. I mean, Um, anytime horror can do that, I'm happy. Yeah. And. I'm extra happy when it's horror with a black cast and horror that's good. Yep. Um, so it makes me very, very excited. Um, obviously not quite as crazy as like what uh, uh, us did on its mm-hmm. opening weekend, but also keep in mind, we are still in the middle of a pandemic. Yes, indeed. So is it a Western? Is it a sci-fi? Is it horror? Is it comedy? Is it some weird amalgamation of yes. all of these things? <laughs> I say yes, all of those things. Now, uh, this, I'm going to go ahead and say, if you haven't seen, we're going to try not to spoil it, but if you haven't seen Nope, just please go see it and then come back just in case, because that's really, I, you know, they didn't give us much in the trailer. I personally stayed away from as much like I was really getting angry that people saw it before I did because reviews were starting to come out and people were starting to tweet about it. And I was like, this is unfair and I don't like it. (laughs) So I was staying away from anything. And I think that's the best way to go into it. Like you probably have a vague idea of what it is and that's all that's enough. Yeah, there like it went from a lot of speculation to Last night at work, when I should have been probably doing other things, I, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I like went down the rabbit hole of like reading like various like you know analyses and think pieces and stuff like that, and I'm just like there are so many already. Like, How does it hit so fast? Like it's insane. Um, and it's it's, uh, I guess I guess for 
for folks like it is like uh it, it does fall like in the whole jordan peele um category of like it's not a really big main cast mm-hmm. um which is kind of like his mo like i mean there are a lot of people in this movie like extras and background characters and stuff like that but in terms of main characters there's about six people yeah um and uh, i i think that's why his movies work so well and why this one hits so good yeah it's really easy to care hard about that few people um and i did um this is a movie that is very very like because like if you watch that last trailer you think you have an idea of like what it's going to be but it's a jordan peele movie so you know that just because you got some stuff in the trailer that doesn't mean shit um Mm. and so there's like tension like this constant tension throughout the like viewing process like as to like what will happen next like it 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 is thematically nothing like it follows but it feels like the first time i watched it follows where like the entire time i was just like what's going to happen yeah what is this what's happening yeah yeah it i mean i feel like i went in with a decent idea of what it was but there's so many things from the trailer that i'm like it was in the movie but Mm -hmm. i thought it was going to be a bigger deal and (laughs) it was really just sort of like oh yeah and there was this thing but that's Mm -hmm. not what we're talking about (laughs) that's like oh okay i thought oh never mind then Thank you, Jordan, um, for confusing me. Yeah, the the thing that I really uh, like enjoy about like Jordan Peele movies and this one especially is that you can't like point to like one other movie to compare it to. Like yeah. there 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 are parts of this movie that feel like parts of other movies. Um, like there is definitely there's definitely some close encounters vibes going on there's mm-hmm. definitely like there's one part there are a couple parts that feel like fire in the sky mm-hmm. like where it's just like it is alien capital h horror also like um there are parts of this the the, the feel of this movie feels kind of like um like every movie that's come after rio bravo like assault on precinct 13 and stuff like that where it's mm-hmm. like it's it's i i would say at its heart this is a like plot wise <laughs> this is a western like siege movie yes it also to me there were parts of it that felt almost like something like the abyss or like an underwater mm-hmm. Even though it's not, there's no water. It's California mm-hmm. in the desert. But there were aspects of it that were like, they could set this underwater and it would be not that different. More claustrophobic. But yeah, there were aspects of it that made me really think that. Um, but I mean, it was just so great. I loved it so much. The cast is great. The relationships is great. Like, is there any kind of character that Daniel Kaluuya can't play? exactly like just becomes like he's such a recognizable actor but yeah he you lose him and he becomes the character which i think is the best skill for an actor to have he's so good in this because like like 
his character is the the thing that makes me think this is a western you know like he's mm-hmm. like the 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 silent he's a cowboy yeah he's a cowboy like he is riding horses like and all that and it's oh man like i mean yeah he is obviously like the star of the movie i guess but like kiki palmer is the ingenue yeah like, like he's the star but he might have the least lines mm-hmm because he's the strong silent cowboy but yeah kiki uh, you like the, the instant heart. she shows up on screen you're just like well i love her mm-hmm. i i love her character so much um and uh yeah no the, and that is like sort of going back to like what we were talking to like what's great about this uh Jordan Peele stuff is that like because like the character you know so many it's such a small main cast like you get to really know these characters and Mm -hmm. like see them interact with each other and they you develop a relationship with them as they develop relationships with each other Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. um I guess we should probably talk about the plot (laughs) as much as yeah we can yeah like okay um so um for like it's very explicit via like the alien ufo uap aspect of it but Mm -hmm. it is far more circumspect regarding gordy Mm -hmm. and that is though that is flashback stuff that i feel is that's the subtext yeah of the movie um like if you watched just at a surface level without thinking too deeply into it, you would be like, what was that even in there for? Perhaps, mm-hmm. but it's, it's key. I think it's incredibly key to everything. It, like Jordan Peele's not putting stuff in there that yeah. doesn't tie back in. It, that's just not how he works. This is a movie that um, like ostensibly it's, 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 you know, like a, a UFO alien invasion movie but like it is about show business yes very much so very much about how show business chews people up and spits them out and just saying that made me have a bit of a revelation but yes yeah but it is like and it is about like um watching and looking um like like the, the the yes and and it's about what do you do when you can't when showbiz has been your life and for whatever reason there's like two different people showbiz has been their life and then they're out of it for different reasons what do you do then you can't just do normal life as easily you just don't know it you know all you know is show business what's your next move and it like that kind of gets into like the other aspect which is just sort of like animal nature like what is the nature inherent in an animal like Mm -hmm. be it alien chimp horses people like Mm -hmm. the violent reactions um to things which are unexpected which i think ties back into what you were just talking about yeah yes and then how you know how we handle those reactions how do we handle You know, like, okay, so, you know, the main family in it, they're horse trainers for Hollywood horses. I think that doesn't spoil anything. I think that's in the trailer. And so the first part, like they're taking a horse to be on a commercial and 
the other people, the not horse people, they don't know how to deal with the horse and they won't listen. And so the, you know, the horse doesn't really do what it was there to do because it gets spooked. And, you know, that's, they just didn't take the time to learn how to interact with the horse to get with the, you know, to have the relationship they needed to have with the horse, which I think then plays into how they interact with each other and all the other various creatures in the movie. And I mean, like that's another sub sub theme is just like the nature of uh, old school um, manual stuff versus modern technology um mm-hmm. like uh, the real horses versus cgi um like the mm-hmm. the zoetrope image that like essentially starts out the film yeah like, the fact that you know like film is like a part of this movie not just like movie but like literal like honest god like the physical thing of film like is, yeah. is like what they're like they have to rely on mm-hmm. yeah yeah when technology no longer works as we currently use it how far you know going back to older technology for various yeah uh, speaking the, the, the speaking of like technology and stuff like the one the, like this movie looks amazing like they make so much great use of like the big wide vistas and Mm-hmm. All, and, and like the various sets and stuff like that but like there are a couple of scenes that are set like at night um and i don't know if it was just like the theater i was seeing it at but like there the, it, like there was some like motion smoothing stuff going on in terms of like how like the camera moved that i was just like oh this is like like watching you know something like at a on a TV at like a doctor's office where they haven't turned yeah. up motion smoothing. It's your grandma's house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like maybe the entire, like, I don't know. Maybe that's the point is that you're watching it and it's unpleasant and it makes you feel discomfort. Yeah, it, it could well be. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Did you catch the little Easter egg nods to us and get out? I probably didn't. Um, it had been a weird day on Friday. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I was just like trying to be in the movie. Yeah. Oh, great. Now I got to track those down. <laughs> um, it wasn't huge. It was just like, oh, there's a thing. Oh, there's a thing. Just a couple uh, of things. I probably missed stuff too. I'm sure there was more than just the two that I caught. Yeah. I'm, I'm amazed at like how much of this movie, like they show some things very explicitly and then mm-hmm. there are other things where it is 100 just literally tell not show mm-hmm. like where there are a couple of plot points that are literally related via a story about an interpretation i guess is the best way of putting it like steven uh yen's character young's character like tells a story like that isn't even telling the story of what happened. Yeah. Yeah. He tells the story via how people that he was a child star on a TV show. And when he tells the story, he's like telling the story about how people now react, re- react and relate back to that TV show. Mm-hmm. Like the nostalgia angle. It's really interesting. Um, It's, and like, despite all of this, like, I mean, I think if you haven't seen the movie, like listening to the two of us talk about it, it like sounds like this incredibly like deep 
like impenetrable movie, but it is like literally it is also funnily enough, it is 100 percent structured like a Hollywood summer blockbuster. Mm -hmm. Like it is very like both in terms of how it looks, how it is plotted and down to the the score, who is the same composer that Peels used for all his other movies. Like there are legitimate parts where this feels like big, rousing, like John Williams, you know, like action themes. Yeah. And then also. I think one thing that has become Jordan's signature, which is taking a song that seems, uh, you know, seems <laughs> friendly enough and making it scary for no reason uh, or for good reason. <laughs> yeah, I have. I will never ever. And this isn't spoiling it because you won't know when it's coming. Um, you will never hear Sheb Woolley's Purple People Eater in the same way. Exactly. It's, God, like that's a that's it's a, a that children's a, song, and now it's menacing. It is a novelty song from the '60s, and it is, damn, like just so good. And like, it turned me around on the character who who introduced it, which is this yeah. director, this auteur. And I was like, this character's grating. I'm not sure that I like this character. And then that part happened, and I was like, well, now I like him. Yes, yeah, <laughs> it was yeah. that simple. I was like, okay. I get him now. I understand yeah. now. It's man. Uh, um, also, like this is this is uh, I I think sort of like the last thing I have to say on this, and this is like a big note on my paper. <laughs> like what the what is with? I feel like Jordan Peele puts one thing in all of his movies that he that do not that doesn't ever get explained. Like he doesn't explain it in interviews. And it's something that once you see it, you can't unsee it. In this case, I'm just going to call it the shoe. Yes. And it, it yes. is. Yes. Um, and it, it is, to me, it is like the bingo cards in Get Out, where it's like a thing. It's like it's a very particular, very specific decision to have this thing and to like literally draw your eye to it. It like you get, it is center of frame yeah but like i know he's never going to explain that shoe yeah like oh, he's God. never explained the bingo cards it didn't even occur to, like i knew i was waiting the whole time i was like the shoe's going to come back around because the shoe like we get a zoom in and you're right we got nothing um mm. there i read a piece a, a new yorker uh, going back to the like talking about all the analysis um and the point they make is that the shoe may be the thing that makes you realize that like what you're seeing on screen is not documentary. It's somebody's memory. That's a good point. Um, and it's the like pointing to like the weird faultiness of memory, like the things yeah. you remember that unreliable like, when you see it, like it, it doesn't, it doesn't feel real. Yeah. Yeah. So it's safe to say we both really like this movie. I did. I I'm eager to watch it again because it's one of those that once you finally know what happens, I think it'll reward on a second watch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I went and saw it by myself because the only time I could go see it was middle of the afternoon. And I know Tanya wants to go see it. So I think I'll probably catch it with her at some point later this week. Nice. Um, It is in theaters now. 
Yes. And I mean, do yourself a favor and see it in the theater. Sometimes it doesn't matter, but on this one, I think, I think it matters. And it's also, for me, it was fun that the theater was so full and there were some, there were some parts that were like, I guess, kind of jump scares, sort of jump scares Mm -hmm. in the barn. Yep. And the people in the theater, I was like, I hope those people can sleep tonight after (laughs) after that, because they got very upset and I loved it. Uh, my reaction to that scene was just like, God damn, like, yeah. like the people sitting down the row from me were just like, I could see them. I could feel them staring. It at was me. very much the nope part of the <laughs> yep. movie. Nope. Yeah. Oh. It was good. It was good. It was good. I loved it. See it in the theater. See it more than once. Yeah. Forever give Jordan Peele whatever he wants financially for movies <laughs> because he's not missed yet uh so we have some movies um if you enjoy nope uh, that you should also check out like that are kind of uh that will give you that same vibe uh what do you got i swear i'm not a trimmer stan because i know i mentioned it as a summer movie but i mean we're in the desert some weird stuff's happening people are banding together to figure it out i think that's major trimmers vibe i also got twister vibes kind of the same thing kind of the man versus nature man versus something they can't control you know people banding together kind of kind of gave me those vibes how about you um i definitely already mentioned fire in the sky like it it is another movie uh that deals with aliens but it is not aliens who are nice um nor aliens that do things that are readily understood and like it's kind of grimy um and also attack the block because i feel like that is um like a people banding together to try to figure out how to fight aliens in a situation where it's it's not what you would expect yeah that's a good i think that might be a little bit underseen maybe not but i think it's such a good movie. Uh man, there was a trailer for another movie with the um with John Boyega um before that I saw before that and I can't remember what it was, but I remember I really wanted to see it. So now I'm going to have to look that up after we get done. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so easily distracted today. Um it happens, man. I'll be right back. Uh, what do you have coming up uh, the next couple weeks? Well, I'm I'm going to watch Orphan First Kill. <laughs> I'm only going to watch that. Um, other than that, not a lot. I've got I've an, a review I'm writing for Allegoria, which comes out um, on August 1st. So that's not really coming up for me because I've already seen it. I actually saw it at Panic Fest and watched it again. Uh, when that does come out, I think it's worth a I think it's worth a look from people. That's spider one from power man 5000's directorial debut and when i say that you're like oh, well maybe i'll skip that one 
seriously don't it's it's really pretty good he did a really good job um so that's where i'm at what do you got coming up um this coming thursday uh will be the fourth and final season of wellington paranormal finally making its way to stateside via hbo max and so thursday um instead of doing anything i will probably just be binging all six episodes of that um and i interviewed todd sheets a few weeks ago about his new movie um and i should really get off my ass and get that transcribed so people can read about his whole thing um but other than that yeah no i don't have any really sort of grand plans yeah keeping up on what we do in the shadows oh yes obviously yeah something on everyone's list oh this season is turning out so good yeah i just i i didn't think a show could be better than the movie i don't know how they keep making the show better than itself but nailing it nailing it um so uh we have stickers um email us at carnage report pod at gmail.com if you like one we'll give you an address to which you can send a self-addressed stamped envelope and we get it we'll slap a sticker in it and send it back to you also if you see either of us out in public um in the lawrence or kansas city area say hey and um, we'll give you a sticker mm-hmm, mm-hmm. now is our new music making a debut am i speaking out of turn um as a matter of fact, uh, this episode, um, yeah. Um, so we've been using Kevin McLeod's uh, music from Incompetech.com for the last like eight episodes. But as of this episode, um, you will notice that those themes are a lot different. Uh, that is because my brother, Steve Spacek, um, had COVID and binge watched, like binge listened to the first six episodes of the show and then spent... Uh, like a week and a half, like working on music. And so he composed us a theme and the interstitial music you hear and the closing theme that you'll uh, hear at the end of the episode. Um, so you exciting. Can, you can find him on Instagram at Starling Woodworks, um, where he does like gorgeous bowls and things like that, uh, and various woodworking projects. So do check that out. Um, I'm very, very happy about um the new tunes um speaking of socials julie where can they find you i am dark humor girl on twitter and instagram and i have writing stuff at modernhorrors.com and downrightcreepy.com nick where are you at i am on And my brain is not working today. Uh, <laughs> I am on Twitter at Nuthouse Punks. I am on Instagram at Nicklaus Mouse. Uh, you can find my writing at uh, The Pitch and Cinepunks and Starburst Magazine, um, as well as in various other publications around the Lawrence, Kansas City area. Um, and you can find this show at Report Carnage. Yay. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next episode with another roundup of the latest news in horror. And our feature presentation will be Orchestrator of Storms, the fantastic world of Jean, Jean Roland. Yes. French. Okay. A new documentary which premiered at Fantasia from directors Dima Ballin and Kat Ellinger. Oh, yeah. We're going to get freaky and weird and dealing with naked vampire ladies. What's not to love? Exactly uh thanks for listening um and we'll we'll hear you talk to you all in two more weeks yeah thanks for listening thank you bye-bye bye